If you're a veteran, would you please stand and remain standing so we can recognize you this morning? If you're a veteran, would you please stand? Let's salute our veterans from St. James this morning. If everyone would else, would everyone else please stand as we join together this morning in the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, and you may be seated. Our first hymn this morning is hymn number 696, and we're going to listen to this unsung hymn, and we're going to listen to and meditate on the words as Wesley plays America the Beautiful. to our service as we celebrate our independence. Does anyone have any prayer requests before we come before the throne of grace this morning? Let us pray together.
Almighty God, we approach your throne of grace this morning in the name of Jesus. As we worship you today, we ask that you would bind any hindering spirit that would try to come in this place and disrupt this worship. We pray, Lord, that all powers would submit themselves to the foot of the cross. We come to give you praise on this day for our country that's in need of much prayer. We look around us and we see chaos in our streets. And we wonder where our God is in all of this. We've asked ourselves that question. God, what are you doing in the midst of these unsettling times? But we thank you this morning, Lord, that you have a plan for our lives. You have a plan for us. And you have a plan for our nation. We must follow you as you told the wise Solomon. If you do what I tell you to do and keep my commands, I will bless you and your nation. Lord, help us to do what we can individually to live for you in these days. Help us to let our light shine and to be the people of God that you've called us to be. And as we shine our light, help others see and know that our Savior lives because he lives in each one of us. We ask your blessings upon our nation, upon our leaders, for their guidance and direction. And we thank you, Lord, that nothing is too difficult for you to direct our path toward your glory and power. We thank you, Lord, that you have blessed this country from the beginning, that you put men like Washington and Jefferson to search for a government that's under God and for people, all people. We thank you that this is the most blessed country in all the world. And sometimes, Lord, we take those blessings and freedoms for granted because we know they're not free. We give thanks this morning for the men and women of our armed forces those persons that served our country, serving us through the military. We thank you for their lives and their dedication to keeping us free. We remember those that are fallen this morning. Remember the families that have lost loved ones. But uh, we are a grateful nation for their service at keeping us free 
and standing the watch in the night to make sure that our freedoms are enjoyed by all. Bless us this morning as we draw near to you in prayer and in supplication. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and minister our hearts today through your power. Give each one of us a fresh anointing and strength for tomorrow that we can live our lives accordingly as Jesus taught us to live. We thank you for prayer and we bring our needs and concerns before your throne of grace. We lift up Pat and Felix and Joanne this morning as we call their names out before you. We also lift the unspoken needs of our church this morning as well. We ask that you would meet these needs according to your perfect will. And we thank you that you're a God of answered prayer. Teach us now, as we come to ask in the conclusion of this prayer, in the name of Jesus, teach us to pray the prayer that he taught all of God's children to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now will the children come, or we're going to ask Steve to come and do the children's time for us, and, and we, we know that the children are listening to us out there on the streaming. We're going to welcome our streaming audience this morning, and so Steve is going to come and present our children's time for us. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Um, I want to thank all the children. Well, all the God's children are here. All of us are over 40, maybe. Some of you might be younger than 40, but I don't think so. <laughs> But anyway, for all the children uh, listening on the uh, website, or Facebook, uh, we all know that this weekend's uh, been uh, 4th of July weekend because you can't miss it, especially 9, 10 o'clock at night when they're blowing off those fireworks. But it really is a special day for our country as uh, we gained independence from England. Now, we're still friends with England, but we try to be in control. You know, we are a free country. And our Bible verse this morning talks about freedom, too. And uh, what I did, I copied here on my notes. I used my uh, NIV Bible, my study Bible. And this is what it says about freedom. If you turn to Galatians 5, verse 13, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in sinful nature. Rather, Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what I did today, I brought a box of Kool-Aid jammers. Uh, All the people here can see it. There are 10 little pouches in this box. And this particular box, if I told you that you could have this whole box right now for yourself, would you take it? I know if Joe was sitting here and some others, sure he'd take it. You know, if I was a young kid, I'd take it too. 
But if I gave you permission to say that you had the freedom to drink the whole box, would you drink it? Some kids would. Some of us wouldn't. You know, if you drank the whole box right now, first of all, it'd probably make you sick. But uh, if you think about this, if you drank the whole box, there wouldn't be anything for anybody else. You know, there's 10 packs in here. And that's what the Scripture's talking about today. The Bible tells us we should never make our freedom, use our freedom just to make us happy. What the Bible's saying, instead we should serve and help others. So this box of uh, Kool-Aid, grape, the best thing to do is share it with each other. Now, I'm not going to share it with the rest of you right now because you make a mess. But uh, if you think about it, freedom is a wonderful gift. Uh, you know, when we use it the way God intended to use. You know, our tithes and offerings, offerings uh, they just don't stay here in the church. They go everywhere. Uh, we help the community. We help uh, the district and hope that they use our gifts wisely. That's why it's so important, I mentioned earlier, to make sure we got good leaders in the church. But anyway, I just want to share this with you. Now, I think what I'll do with this box of Kool-Aid, I'm going to give it to somebody here that's got a bunch of kids at home, and they can share this this afternoon with the rest of the kids. So let us have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, help us daily to keep Jesus in our heart. Loving and serving others is also a gift that we share with others. We thank you for guiding our leaders and military to help us be free today. And we say this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next hymn, this, our next unsung hymn this morning is in number 697. It's the hymn right after America the Beautiful, 696. And we're going to listen to as Wesley plays for us. We're going to meditate on the words of My Country, Tis of Thee, 697. Remain seated as we meditate on this wonderful hymn celebrating our freedom and our country.
Let us stand for the reading of God's Word. And remain standing for the doxology, although we won't be singing it together. Our scripture this morning is from Genesis chapter 31, verses 43 through 55. Genesis chapter 31, verses 43 through 55. And I'm reading today from the New King James translation. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have born? Now therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jenga Sabadatha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, it is, its name was called Galid, also Mitzvah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we were absent from one another. If you afflict my daughters or take, or take wives besides my daughters, although no man is w- with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, Here is this heap, and here is this pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This, this heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I shall not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap, and this is my pillar to you for harm." The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor and the God of the father, their father judged between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of, of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night long on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. you and you may be seated. As we celebrate this Independence Day and we celebrate our freedoms together as being Americans and citizens of this great country that God has blessed from sea to shining sea, as we celebrate it today, I thought of a story of George Washington, the first president of our country. It involves his first conflict while in office. The issue came over paying taxes over whiskey. Back then, the whiskey was the drink of choice in America. Beer 
It didn't last very long because there was no refrigeration, and, the, and rum was the other drink that was cut off. The distribution was cut off during the American Revolution. So many people turned to whiskey. In, 19, in uh, 1791, the government imposed a tax on whiskey. It was used to generate revenue for the war debt that occurred during the Revolutionary War. Farmers grew the rye and the barley and the corn to make the whiskey, but they didn't believe in paying the tax because many of the farmers were American Revolutionary War veterans that they still believed they were fighting for the principles that they fought the war over, that taxation without representation but they didn't understand that the newly formed federal government could impose taxes legally on its citizens. But these farmers rose up and they used violence and intimidation to prevent federal authorities from collecting the tax. The resistance came to a climax in July 1794 when a U.S. Marshal arrived to serve the rich to, to, to those who did not pay the tax. An alarm was raised and more than 500 armed men attacked the fortified home of Tax Inspector General John Neville. But the word reached to George Washington of this rebellion. Washington responded by sending peace commissioners to negotiate with the rebels rather than sending in the troops. He asked all the governors to send a militia force to meet him and they consisted of 1,300 militiamen from Virginia, Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. But Washington did something very unprecedented as a role as a president. He placed himself in a vulnerable position. Rather than sending in the troops to disarm these 500 rebels, Washington rode out ahead of the troops himself. He put himself in harm's way to negotiate a peace deal with these rebel farmers. And when the rebels saw George Washington coming from a distance, they laid down their arms and Washington defused the conflict without even firing a shot. It was Washington's very presence that brought calm to the situation. Jacob, in our text this morning, I forgot that my title of my message is Landmarks and Landmines. Washington in that situation was a landmark of peace. Jacob in our text began his life as a landmine that God used to be a landmark. See, Jacob's name was, he was a supplanter. He was a trickster. We all know the story, tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright by making him a pot of stew. And then he tricked his father Isaac by disguising himself as his brother so his father would impart the blessing of the firstborn upon him. From that point, things got rough for Jacob. His brother sought to kill him. Rebekah, fearing for her son, sent him to flee to her homeland. And while Jacob is there, he meets his uncle, who is Rebekah's brother, and, and he has two daughters, Leah, who is the oldest, 
and Rachel, who's the youngest. And so Jacob, while he is there fleeing from his brother, because he lived in constant fear from his brother, Jacob falls in love with Rachel, and he wants to marry her. And so Laban says, okay, you can marry her if you work for me seven years. So Jacob works for, her, works, for his, works for his uncle seven years, and the wedding night came, and Laban does a trick on the trickster. He switches Rachel for the, his older daughter Leah, and Jacob wakes up in the morning and realizes he's been tricked. And so Laban says, well, our custom is we don't marry the, 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 older, the younger daughter first. We marry the older daughter. And so if you want to marry Rachel, then you have to commit to working for me seven more years. And so Jacob does. But see, the tables got turned on Jacob. Instead of being the one to be the trick, do the tricking, he got tricked himself. The Bible says you reap what you sow. So Jacob was reaping the seeds that he already sowed. But you see, Jacob didn't inherit his father's blessing. His flocks and his property and and his land that would have belonged to him still belonged to Esau. But Jacob, he could have been bitter. He could have been resentful. He could have been revengeful. He could have been upset. But you know, the Bible doesn't mention any of that. Jacob worked the seven years without complaining. If we would have complained, we would have seen that in the Word. You see, God was working on the heart of Jacob. God was turning Jacob from a land mine into a landmark. You see, Jacob didn't need the inheritance of his father Isaac at all. Because while Jacob worked for his uncle, God blessed Jacob and prospered him that Jacob owned his own flocks, his own property, and had his own inheritance. It got to the point that Jacob's prosperity and God's blessing upon him caused the sons of Laban to get jealous. And they got upset. Look what Jacob's got. Look at all the flock, and look at all the money, and look at all the property. Didn't we give that to him to begin with? Where's my cut in it? He's gained everything that Laban gave him. Where's my cut? And Jacob noticed that even his uncle's attitude toward him had changed now that he was prospering and God was blessing him. And he's prayed to the Lord, and Lord, the Lord said to Jacob, go back to your homeland. Go to the land of your fathers. Go to your relatives, and I'll be with you. Fearful that Laban would take everything he owned, his wives, his children, everything he had, his flocks, his property, his money, his inheritance, Jacob leaves in the middle of the night. And while he left, Rachel stole one of the household idols from her father, unbeknownst to Jacob. 
So Jacob sets out in the night to return to his homeland. And Laban pursues him. And Laban says to Jacob, what are you doing? Why are you leaving in the middle of the night? Why have you taken my daughters and my grandchildren away from me? And by the way, where are my household gods? Because they're missing. See, it was Jacob's time now. See, God had worked on Jacob and his heart and changed his life. And Jacob and Laban came to, to an agreement. And so they gathered stones on a mountain. And they put stones on a pillar on the side of a mountain. And they called the place Mitzvah. And it was a covenant between Laban and Jacob and God. Although we're away from one another, God is going to watch between you and me. And Jacob makes the vow to his uncle that he's going to do his daughters and his grandchildren right. He's going to treat them right. And it was a sign to Jacob's enemies that God is with me. Don't cross in this territory that belongs to me. It was a sign to Laban. Laban, this is my territory now. That's your ter territory. You go back home. And that's what happened in the scripture. Laban returns home and Jacob goes forward to the life that God has called him to do. You see, during these 14 years that Jacob lived with Laban, God was working on changing Jacob and making him a man that God could use. See, God changed Jacob from an impulsive landmine and made him into a landmark. God said to Jacob in Genesis 32, 28, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but your name shall be called Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. It was from Jacob that his 12 sons, God created the nation of Israel from. And God took and used Jacob as an example, a landmark for other people and other nations and other races to see God's hand was upon him to raise him up to be the nation that God had called a peculiar people. Today, do we live our lives as a landmark or as a landmine? A landmark provides direction. It records history. It marks an event. It tells a story. It's a reminder. It commemorates. It's the path to peace. It's a guide. 
Or do we live life as a landmine? A landmine is hidden below the surface. It's triggered when stepped on. It blows up. It maims. It's volatile. It has pressure points. It tears down. George Washington, our story that I shared with you earlier in my introduction, rode into a conflict to defuse a situation. He rode into the fray, and when they saw him coming, his very presence brought peace to the conflict. He was a landmark, that he was an example that the people looked up to. You see, God used Jacob in our scripture today and transformed him from a person that was a living landmine that caused problems in his family with his deception. And God changed him and humbled him and used him to be the man that God could build a nation with. Are we a landmark or a landmine? Someone that's a landmine lives on the fringe of emotions. They don't, they're not led by the Spirit of God, but they're led by emotions. And their emotions are hidden. And they have trigger points. And you step on those trigger points and they blow up. They say what's ever on their heart to you without regard to your person, your personhood. Jesus said that you will know a person and their and their fruit by what they say and what comes out of their mouth. See, our convictions, what we say about our comes out of our mouth, tells about the condition of our heart in our soul. If we can't talk to one another with kindness without cursing one another, then we need to have our heart examined. And we need to surrender our lives over to Jesus. See, what we say tells the truth about our life and if our life is surrendered over to Him or not. We can even say palms and proverbs and say prayers and scriptures, but if we curse our brother with our lips, we're not right with God. It's time to surrender to Jesus and let God use us to be a landmark for his glory. I've seen a lot of landmarks in the news lately. They have become landmines. And I think what has happened is that we've turned to worship these ideologies rather than worship the Creator. In Jeremiah 31, verses 21 through 30, 23, God reminds the house of Israel that turned away from Him and found themselves worshiping idols found themselves in the, hands of Babel, in the hands of Babylon from worshiping idols, God says, build 
a signpost. Make a landmark and remember the way to me. Turn back from your wicked ways and look at the landmark and find your direction to me. I think that's the message for America today. To build a landmark to remind us of our Savior and what He's done for us and to listen to His voice and respond and be the landmark, the living landmark that God has called us all to be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. stand for the benediction. Let us pray. Lord, use our lives today to be landmarks for others to see your love and grace inside our lives. Help us to use our voices as instruments of grace and glory for you to speak through to others. If our heart is struggling this morning, help us to get right with you and surrender our lives to you so we can be the landmark you've called us all to be. Bless each and every person here today. Bless each family. Touch each one with your blessing and your power and your grace. Prepare each one for tomorrow. Walk the roads ahead, preparing the way. Continue to bless our country. As we are all on bended knee, asking for your direction and guidance and grace to fill our streets once again. And help us, Lord, to be the landmark of peace so that people can look to us and see Jesus. And maybe we can be like George Washington riding into a situation that through our very presence you use us as instruments of your peace to bring an end to conflict. Go with us now as we walk into your grace. Amen. Amen.